giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. We are coming at you from RailsConf 2013. My name is Ben Ornstein. I'm here today with an inimitable Sandy Metz. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Ben. How's it going? Tired. <laughs> RailsConf immersion experience. RailsConf takes a lot out of you. Yeah, totally. It's a lot of confing. I got my first good night's sleep on Pacific time last night, so now everyone's in trouble. Awesome. Uh, so you are a newly minted Ruby hero. How cool is that? How do you feel about it? I'm, I, you, don't, I can't even talk about it. Are you tremendously embarrassed? I'm just, well, it's not embarrassment as much as um, there's some amount of terror involved. Uh, really? Yeah. Do you feel like you have something you need to live up to now? Um. I feel like I have to, like I want to be proud of something, and it's very hard to figure out what that thing is, hmm. and and to let myself be proud of it, right? And so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I was thinking, you know, they gave us. I had a little premonition, you know. I, uh, they told me up. to be there, <laughs> and so that made you could one could guess. Sure. And so I have decided that, like, it, like the book was so much work, and I'm proud of the work. Yeah. I'm proud of the effort, right? And I hope it's useful. Like I. Like, all those ideas are other people's ideas. Like, mm-hmm. how can I be proud of that? Well, it takes work to distill it. I, yeah, but I wrote it down. I did that. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, like, I'll, like, totally accept that. So is, is that the, the thrust of, of the reason behind the award is, is the book? I have no idea. I mean, uh, the quotes that they put up, like, people, other people nominated me, and people clearly voted. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, you know, I don't have much public presence on the internet, really? Are you sure about that? Well, I mean, you, now you can Google my name and find stuff, but who does that? That's mm-hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, I did it when I was <laughs> about an hour ago. <laughs> Yourself? Uh, no, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Well. Where do you think these questions uh, well, come from? Well, now I have, I mean, I have talks now. Right. Right? And so the talks are there. And that's like, if there's some like body of work, there's that. Yeah. That you can find. Which counts. Yeah, it does count. And talks are so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know that. I Telling do. this story. Absolutely. So what was the the process of writing the book like for you? Incredibly painful. Um, Okay, so they tried to get me to write a book for a while. Like I I got overheard in a hallway rant by an editor at Addison Wesley. Hmm. Let this be a warning to you. Careful about the hallway track. Careful about the hallway rant. Yeah, and so I like I don't write books. Who writes books? Do you write books? Like Eh. you did? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like I've written email and documentation. Since I was in high school, mm-hmm. one story about whitewater kayaking. It doesn't count, and so I, I didn't really think. I, I didn't have a book. What book would it be? What would I? How would I write a book? Mm-hmm. And so it took a long time for me to say, "Well, okay, well, maybe I'll write something down." Right? The, the, like drawn on whiteboards and explaining things. Yep. And so then I was really bad at writing. Right? How do you write a book? How do you organize it? Like, what do you say first? What do you say second? And so there was a lot of. Um. I, I mean, I got better at the writing as time went on, but here was the process. Let me tell you about the process. Cause tell me. Yeah. This was a, such a painful story. Okay, so I sit down and write the examples for a chapter. The code. With the code. I write the code first. Yep. Right? Like, this is the code that illustrates the point. And then I go through and pseudo-code the text. Mm-hmm. Right? So just stream of consciousness, like, this is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I realize there are huge gaps in it. <laughs> huge, huge gaps. Like, big leaps in the code examples and big leaps from, like, like a lot of unsaid things that are that ought to be said. And so I go fill all those in. Hmm. And then I realize that there's still big leaps and I don't know how to bridge them. I don't know how to explain the, what happened between step C and step like M. 
which is what it is. And at that point, I walk around the house cussing for two weeks. Seriously, banging my head on the wall, saying things like, I'm never going to finish. I'm mm. never going to finish. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to finish. I, I, I know that the editors at Addison Wesley won't allow that big gap, mm. but I can't bear to take it out. And so then I dream about it every night, and I wake up every morning thinking about it. And then one day I have this like, oh, I understand. I like get it. And then, and then I can write the transition, and it's like the most important thing. Wow. It was the most important thing. And so that happened with chapter two, the first chapter I wrote, and then chapter three and chapter four. And so I was in terror early on that every time it happened, it meant that I was never going to be able to finish. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, I realized, okay, this is how it works. Two weeks of walking around, headbanging, cussing. Mm. That's like at this point. And, and I could never d- decrease that time interval, which is why it took so long to write the book, right? Interesting. And so, so I was a painful process for you. It was so, it was so painful. It was like without like the spouse at home, right? Like like if you don't have people who are supporting you in this process, it's easy to see why people find it hard to write books. Sure. Because it's hard. Anyway, so I – but I embraced that process after a while and the secret truth is I grew to love the writing. I grew mm. to just absolutely love it. Awesome. Because yeah. it helped sort of clarify some of your thoughts? No, because I wanted to – like if I have a strength, it's seeing the connections between unrelated things. And if I have a weakness, it's that all the filtering in my brain is too is uh, not as good as everyone else's, and mm. that's that's a coin, right? That's just both sides of a coin. Mm. And so, giving myself permission to let the images leak through my bad filter and to write that down in the book mm. to explain things was like really cool. Like I, I was afraid. Of explaining things the way I naturally wanted to explain things. Mm. And then after a while, I just decided, what are they going to do? Tell me not to write the book? Like, I'll just write it down. So you started to embrace your voice. Yeah. Then. And mm. I, that's a perfect way to put it, right? Like, I found a voice, and, mm-hmm. then I, and then I was afraid of that voice for a while, and then I just said, like, what the heck? And so the, pe- the response that I get to the book, I think, is uh, much of the positive response to the book is the response to that voice, that sort of non-academic storytelling, leaky-brained strength weakness voice Mm. so anyway writing i can here's the thing i would tell you like we know that we know because i wrote a book that anyone can (laughs) and that it makes me think that everyone should Mm. so you're 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 glad you did it then i am glad i I mean i'm glad it's over but this the secret truth is i i miss the writing and i never thought i'd say that as arduous as it was I, i did a lot of like never again gun to head never again stuff when i was doing it but yeah, well, I mean, it, it helps to be done and to have got like the my writing got better mm-hmm. over the period of the book. It, you know, a couple get, people say that. It, yeah, didn't, well, you practice every day. Like your code gets better. Yeah. Like there's no reason your tests get better. There's no reason to think that you your writing won't. It didn't get faster, but it got better. Mm. And so now, like, I kind of want to do more of that. Hmm. It was cool. Hmm. There's, but there, I think there are more books in my future. Let me say that. And I, there was a, there would have been a time when I was like, like now, like I'm cha- it's a, an ad- a embracing of a different, like who am I now? I wrote code every day for 30 years. That's what I did. Hmm. I didn't blog. I didn't go out in the community. I didn't do talks. I sat at my desk and I wrote code. And now, like I'm something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that thing is, but. A it, ruby hero. <laughs> yeah, right. Stop that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like. It, it's like so much fun to explain things and have people get it. It's so much fun to demystify mm. this stuff. Mm. And that is totally cool. Like, why not? Yeah. 
And uh, it seems to have turned out well. So I was looking at, uh, you have five stars on Amazon, which I think you can call a success. Isn't that cool? That's pretty great. Yeah, I can't, I can't talk about that, though. That's <laughs> like reading your press, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I do, okay, I will admit, I do sometimes look at the reviews. Well, yeah, why not? But, I, I mean, here's the thing. This is the thing I was telling, uh, talking to people in the hallway about. It's like, it's odd to go from being someone no one knows about, right, to, to having a book. Because there's a kind of um, visibility I have all of a sudden that I never had. Right. That's, so, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Is it's, it, there seems to be this phenomenon of writing a book confers a lot of authority on it, you. It absolutely does. And so let me ask you this. Am I a different person than I was when no one knew my name? Hmm. No, not at all. Like, like if I – and so that – like it, it feels really important not to read one's own press. Hmm. So you don't want to – you well, don't want to start feeling like that different person. You just want to. Here's what I think. It's like if I read that stuff that says, oh, you're brilliant and I believe it, then if I read stuff that says, oh, you're an idiot, mm. that's equally weighty. Hmm. And like I don't want my self-definition to be externally defined. And so I'm trying really hard to just like – like like I did not think the book would sell. Who Who would – these books don't sell. Like these books sink without a trace. I mean that's what happens to technical books, right? Like you, you get cred because your name's on it mm-hmm. and, and certainly the effort deserves praise because it's hard and I expected that to happen. <laughs> so you've been, you've been happy with having their, how it's selling then? Um, it's selling beyond my wildest dreams. Now, again, your wildest dreams in the vertical – this thin, narrow, vertical technical market that we're in is – that's a small dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like it's the process of writing, the process of getting it done. Like I've been uh, reading, I'm, I'm getting, an, I'm giving a talk next week at, in, at, in Paris at Le Comte, like, and yeah. I've been reading uh, the research about grit. Do you know the grit phenomenon? It's a, it's a measure of persistence. Mm. And it turns out that people, uh, you can predict success based on, uh, it's a better, pre- grit is a better predictor of success. Exis- Success than intelligence, mm. than IQ. Mm-hmm. And, and like I'm a blue-collar girl from a blue-collar background, right? Like I value work over reward. And so the book was work. It was like going – this is the way I ended up having to think about it to get it finished because it took two years. I worked on it like in the dark at my desk every morning from 5 to 8 mm. for two years. Wow. And because it took a long time, like I want, like code can be good enough. Like the best code is just good enough, right? If your code is perfect, it's a waste of money. Hmm. But but the book felt like it had to be perfect. I don't know, I'm not saying it is, but I, I didn't feel like I could stop until I had done the absolute best I could. Hmm. That's interesting uh, difference, right? Because uh-huh. the code, once it works, it's, it's, it's a, that's at least good enough in some sense. You should right? walk away. That it's functional. Like, yeah, there's a point where it costs you money to do better, mm-hmm. right? And with the book, it's like written down in paragraph. It's like it's like chiseling code in stone, right? It's a thing because because your code you can fix it later, but but the book is a kind of permanent artifact, hmm. right? So do you do flip through it now and how- sometimes? Okay, oh, don't even ask. That's just embarrassing, Ben. Yes, of course I do. And yeah. now that now you- that I've forgotten it a little, you know yeah. that you know that thing where you go back and look at code yeah. that you kind of forgot you wrote, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're like a little embarrassed, but sometimes you're like, wow, look at that code. That's great. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I open the book and I'll read a paragraph and I'll say, 
wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wrote that? Yeah. I've had the same experience with like blog, old blog posts yeah. and things like that. It's that like same sometimes phenomenon. like, oh, that's kind of clever. And sometimes it's like, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. The cringe. And so I look at like the chapters I wrote first, chapter two, and I read that some of that. And I'm like, oh, that could be so much better. I could have put that so much better. Mm. And then, but, it, but later, and I wrote the intro last. Mm-hmm. And it let me, um, I, it was really hard, right? I spent like a whole day writing the first paragraph of the book, the, the part about, uh, wanting to do good work because it, like, it felt like it needed a big picture thing, right, to start. I mean, there's, it seems like books do that, right? Yep. Aren't, aren't we supposed to do that? And, and have, trying to find some way to say why we care in a way that like, – like I'm proud of us as technologists and I'm proud of the work that we do. And it, and it feels like there's a lot of, you know, having been the whole long arc of my life, right? Like people used to curse and spit when they said IT, right? Mm. And and the time has passed and, and now Agile came in, which let us like do better work for our customers. And now we have these technologies where we can iterate quickly. And so all of a sudden, like our best efforts can go right into customer value. Mm. And I feel proud of that. Like, I'm glad of that for us. Do you know Gary Bernhardt? I, I do. I don't know Gary personally, but you know his, you def, I definitely know of Gary. You yes. and he are sort of opposite ends of the spectrum, I feel <laughs> like, on that, on that part. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he says he's deeply embarrassed of the work we've done. Um, he didn't do the work. I, he clearly did better work than I did 30 years ago. <laughs> mm. Because, I mean, I mean, okay, it's not perfect, but there was a time. Okay, I can... I can – there are projects now where there is source code still in existence where we spent a year locked in a hotel room writing specs before we wrote code. Like I'm, a, I'm of that era, mm-hmm. right? And then when that spec comes out and you have to write the code, uh, the, then right away it's clear it doesn't do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But you can't change anything. Like customers want to change it. We'll be late and they'll blame us, right? I mean that the, – the, the influence of Agile on how – whether or not we produce software that – at least kind of does what they want has been huge. Mm. So you're a waterfall survivor. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm old enough so that I spent more time doing waterfall than I've spent doing agile. Probably like agile still seems a little new to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that scary? Alarming thought. Yeah. Uh, well, at least you know about the, the bad old days. So you have some contrast. You know, I wrote code that was absolutely unmaintainable and I had no idea with the best of intentions. Right. Mm-hmm. We just throw, we just throw it over the wall and run away. So if you were in like the standard content marketing genre, you would now write a book about writing books? How you, know, you can Okay, you know what I really want to do? I want to tell stories for a living. Yeah? I want to help people give good talks. Oh. Wouldn't that be fun? You could you're in that business. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, don't you want to just help someone every talk you see? Yes. Yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. I get the care mad during talks <laughs> like i want to like just stand up and be like just let's stop and let's, 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 let, let's let me fix help this. with your slides let yeah. me help right like tell me a story where's the story yeah it's yeah i try to channel i'm trying to channel it in a more positive direction <laughs> like with my talk tomorrow and things like that oh, but cool. sometimes i get like a little i get a little angry I, like why aren't you more excited why yeah. aren't you trying to get me interested in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like reach out and grab me by the throat i mean your talks do that like you want to reach out and grab me, and I, I like I love your talk. Like I live in terror of speaking right after you. <laughs> this is <laughs> well, a bad thing. I look on the schedule and say, "Oh, where's Ben?" I remember you came up to me after that's <laughs> something. You're like, "You're a jerk." Yeah. And you're going no, no. right before me. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, Rocky Mountain last year was perfect because you were after me. Yeah, 
And those talks worked really well together. Were, that was perfect. That was a nice it one, too. It was like a match made in heaven. I was sitting in the audience and be like, wow, this is exactly mm-hmm. the thing I would put right before mm-hmm. my talk. And I, after you got up, I was like, wow, I'm glad he went second. <laughs> <laughs> different styles. Yeah, I don't have a true. book. Well, why not? I don't know. You know it's People char- take me too seriously. Character building. Character building. I can't get up at five in the morning. <laughs> well, so many people write at night. I don't. Yeah. I, usually, I okay. This is. I usually have a beer when I get home, and I don't do a lot of work after that. Mm, that's I'm fair. better off. I do my best work at the crack of dawn. And do, here, there you go. Do you have a day job? I had a day job until yeah. the book was published, and then oh, yeah. I got so busy I couldn't really do my day job. Gotcha. And so now I'm figuring out what I'm doing for a day job. Interesting. Yeah. What sounds good? I love teaching. I mean, I uh, like I'm, I'm making this video series for the book for Ashton Wesley. Oh, cool! So that's happening. So that Bunch means, of yeah. And so now, you know, here's where I am on that. Okay, I've watched every one of the tutorials, and I've looked at a bunch of other people's screencasts. And you know, screencasts without naming names, they're like talks. And I, I kind of, I'm, I'm not. I don't have an. I mean, can you can you hear me hedging here? Mm-hmm. I'm um, just let I, it out. I, well, I just want to be dynamic and interesting, and sometimes I don't find those screencasts dynamic and interesting. And so now there's a whole technology thing that I don't know how to do, and I'm trying to figure out. Like I bought a bamboo tablet because really what I want to do is stand at the whiteboard and draw. Mm. All right, I want a bunch of pictures, mm-hmm. and so the, I'm trying to figure out like what would that look like in bamboo tablet pictures code. Pry, T-Mux. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm experimenting with – it's got to fit in 1280 by 720 apparently. How can you tell the best story you can mm-hmm. in that space? Has Jeff Casimir been hounding you to come teach for his company? He, actually, he did a little hounding. Yep. That's true. But that's – I mean it's totally flattering. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, like I'm not ready to be uh, – to be aligned. Uh, but I love I love being able to be loosely associated with all these people who are doing good work. Oh yeah, you know that's cool. So I keep hounding Jeff. Like like apparently he has a bike that had a bunch of parts rusted to it, hmm. and so he told me a long story uh, the other day about uh, rebuilding his bike and what the bike shop qu- the price the bike shop quoted him and what he did. And I told him for that price, he could get me to come to Denver and work on his bikes. Mm. <laughs> and then I could be part of the school. So for a, little, a, week. a little teaching, a little freelance yeah, bike repair, a bike maintenance, bike they, fitting. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a bunch of women in that school. I bet all their bikes fit bad. Yeah. We you, could totally fix that. You, I, I touched on a nerve when we were talking about this the other night. You're, <laughs> I was you're like, passionate about rant. bike fit. Yeah. There's like a, you can press that button and the rant starts, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about your talk yesterday? Um, it's so hard to, okay. It's hard to admit. That's really the problem. I loved my talk yesterday, right? Like, like I wasn't, I wanted to be perfect and it wasn't perfect. And there was stuff I messed up and there's stuff, there was pacing things I should do. Like, like I solicited a lot of feedback and you know, you have to, you're aware of this too, right? You can't just say, how was it? Oh yeah. Cause people say it was fine. So you have to bribe them. Like you have to say, I'll buy you a beer for everything you can tell me that I can change in that talk, right? Mm. So it takes a lot of browbeating to get people to say a thing, you know, a thing that would imp- help improve it. True. Yeah. But, the people, people that want to say good things will come up and say nice things to you. And the people that didn't think it was that good just kind of walk that's out. That's right. They're self-selecting, right? So you never hear it. Yeah. And so uh, – but I did, I did manage to browbeat people about the head and shoulders enough mm-hmm. so that I got people saying, well, I was lost here or that was too long or that was too short. So I can't – that talk can be improved. Hmm. But I did. I did love it. it. Like, here's the thing about that talk. Like, I thought I understood all those issues, and then again, it's, I know it's trite. I tried to explain them, 
And then the talk – in the last three weeks, it's gotten better and better and better. Right? I kept taking words out and being more precise. And so – That's great. It is. And talks are some – like that's right from the book. But the nice thing about talking is that you can show pictures that change in little increments, which you can't in a book, right? You can't show the same picture and do, make it be like slightly different over and over and over again. Hmm. And th- that helps so much to explain. What if, what if you did a flip book? <laughs> it would, exactly. It's a flip book, the coding flip book. Now yeah. it would be like a foot oh, deep. A what? A f- it would be like a foot, oh, a foot deep. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving pictures. This could be a new genre. You know, I, I think that we're, we really suffer from a media to let us explain these things. Like the, if there are complaints about Pooter, it's about the code examples are too short. Because mm. people need a real app to look at this stuff. And you can't put a real app in a book. Right? There's, no, there's no media format that we have easy access to. I think code examples are the hardest part of mm. teaching concepts in programming. They're brutal. Like for, for my t- like it's it's really hard to get something with enough meat that mm-hmm. it looks reasonable mm-hmm. and realistic and yet it's simple mm-hmm. enough that you can grasp it and no matter where you come down on that, people will complain about which you know yes. both sides actually. Yeah. Well, I mean we're you know, we're all you know, we're a big pile of people that have like like attention uh detail oriented highly attentive, slightly ADD people. Yeah. And so anything about the example that like sticks in their brain, then they're gone, right? And they're, right? It, That's it, true, yeah. Like we want you to, like the example by definition has to be some kind of abstraction that maybe doesn't meet every general case. Mm. Yeah. Something is wrong on the projector screen <laughs> and <laughs> right. now so, I cannot focus. Yes, and I'm gone. And then like, what are you, like five minutes later? And so really to me, the challenge in talks is getting all those people to tell me where yes. I lost them mm. so I can fix that thing. This is one of the reasons I really try to encourage a lot of feedback in my talks because mm-hmm. you'll get that, those people that will get sidetracked and then kind of tune out. Whereas if you kind of give them a, the floor for a minute and be like, yeah. let them get their point of, yes, but, you're right, this isn't a totally realistic um, thing. But, but here's the deal. How on earth do you do live coding? That's terrifying. And then you let people ask you questions like, I would just die. Why? <laughs> because... It's not it, that bad. Oh, People it's, think it's it, harder than it is. It is that. It, it, it's like it's. I, let me just say this: I am never doing it. So, so you <laughs> practice. Horrifying. You practice your talks a lot, right? A lot. I just do the same Tons, thing, yeah. except it's with code. Like I know every step I'm going to yeah, take that I'm going to show. So maybe it's not so. Bad. And the rest is like just talking about stuff. I try to just be as honest and straightforward as possible. Mm, and that's true. People are like, well, I think this would be better this way. I'm like, oh, okay, let's think about that. And I, I try to not pretend that I've mm-hmm. considered every angle mm-hmm. or that I have the answer to mm-hmm. everything. And it kind of works out okay. I, so I'm willing to believe that that's true for you. <laughs> I, the, but the thing you just said about like, uh, I, before I ever gave the first, I don't know when this was before I ever first gave a talk and I was feeling really terrified. I heard somebody famous. I don't even remember who it was. Answer a question from the stage. Someone raised their hand, like mm-hmm. the, the terror thing, right? Someone raised this, their hand and asked the speaker a question he, he couldn't answer. And instead of making something up, he said, wow, I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Like right out there in front of God and everybody. And, and I never realized that was an option. <laughs> That's the best option. You can just not know. And yeah. it, was like, it was so liberating to me. It's like I don't have to be perfect. Yes. Like, I don't have to know everything. Absolutely. And so that – I say good on you, right? Oh, like, yeah. It took me a long – I didn't – I did not make that up. I had to see it in action. To really understand that There's, I could just say, well, I don't know anything about that. I think there are a couple of fallacies that people think are true when they first start speaking. Mm-hmm. And the first is you have to fill every moment of silence with sound, 
which is how you get people talking really fast or you get people that don't pause for questions or things like that. Mm -hmm. And the other is that you must be an expert on every aspect of what you're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reality is neither of those is really true. It's a, well, I mean, we know that, right? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> From personal experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what I realized, like I had, um, the first talk I gave was actually at RailsConf. It was on Vim. And I had this, like, I was having this sort of panic as it, as it got closer and closer. I was like, doesn't everyone know this? Like, isn't all this stuff True. super obvious? Mm-hmm. And that's a really easy mindset to get into because you kind of lose sight of what you've learned already. And then um, I think, well, I have to know everything and I, I have to teach them things they've never seen before. And that's not really true. Mm-hmm. It's like you have, a, you have a grab bag and some people learn something from over here and some people learn something over here. And it's okay that they know things that you don't know. And it's just like if, if you're a little further down the path than a handful of people, it's worth putting Absolutely. a talk together. It's like um, someone told me something. Now, I had like four thoughts and I didn't write any of them down, so I'm going to lose them all here. Uh, someone told me something years ago that was really useful. And they said, like, if you write a blog post, okay, which I never do, but theoretically, imagine I wrote, I was I looked at your it. blog. It was a little, a little, <laughs> it's out, a little of date. out of date. Yeah, it's okay. Mine too. Like a third of the people who, oh, well, a third of the people who read it are going to say, oh, yeah, old news. And a third of the people are going to say, what? That was like insanely complicated. I could never understand that. And then a third of the people are going to say, that was a miracle because they're ready. And so one thing I try to do is imagine myself, my past self, like eager interested, ignorant, and explain the thing I know now to them because someone's there, mm. right? Someone is where you used to be. Like, like you don't have to know everything to tell them something. And so there's that, right? Like imagining the audience. And, and the other thing is something uh, Deborah told – my editor, Addison Leslie, told me when I was like – like that thing. Okay, so everything you know, well, it is so obvious. Surely everyone else knows that. Mm-hmm. Like they are a font of things you don't know. Because you can't see inside their heads, but surely your head is transparent to them, right? Right. They know everything you have. And she told me something. She said, people love the story they know. And that was a revelation. It's like kids watching a Disney movie. People love the story they know. And it was really surprising to me that people who know everything Mm. I say will come up to me and say, Boy, that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even have to be telling them things they don't know, which True. is a, that's a revelation, right? Just tell them their story, like a story well told mm. is engaging to people. That's true. Yeah. And maybe you just put it a slightly different way than they thought about it in the past. And yeah. so they, they came up with just like one more new metaphor that made sense for them. Mm-hmm. I, along those lines, I've had people um, who I've, I've like repeated a talk mm-hmm. and like, oh, I saw that talk when you gave it here, but like, yeah, I sat through it again. It was, it was good. It was nice to see again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if it is it literally all the same information, it's like just even mm-hmm. a repetition is okay. Yeah. People are and, right with it. And it's like, okay, like, I, like we should accept that, right? That's true. Yeah. So that's it's why I'm cool. not writing any more talks. Yeah. Talks take me so long. It's like, too much work. Like two talks a year is like all I can do. I'm that's... hoping to get a new talk for the fall, but, but now fortunately I had to cut some content out of this talk. And Katrina Owen has like the follow-up talk to it. So we've been doing a lot of talk, mm. right? So the, the talks aren't really a collaboration as much as uh, both of our explorations about a certain, a certain idea. Mm-hmm. But now it's clear there's like a third talk that needs to go in this series. Hmm. And it would be easier to do that than the talk I have in mind for the fall. So I, I don't want to ask you to try to summarize your whole talk in the podcast. But like what was the title? So if people want to go look it up. Because I think there's videos of this, right? Yeah. The Magic Tricks of Testing. Mm-hmm. Magic Tricks. Cool. And, you know, I bought a hat and then I felt like I just uh, so, so you told me this. You, you wimped out. I couldn't bring it. I wimped out. I couldn't really put it. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm good with props. Was it like props. a silk top hat? It was like thing? a top a hat thing. Hat. Yeah. It was a little big. I, I, it needed modification before. Because it was like 
boom. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's all right. But it, it wasn't that it was big. It's that I was a gutless wonder and couldn't bear to bring the top hat onto stage. But maybe if yeah. I talk about it enough, I'll someday bring Those it. Those gags only go so far, though. You know, <laughs> it's good for like it would be cool. three or four seconds of laughter. Oh, then... you know what? Now that I have you and we're speaking of gags, <laughs> yes. who was it at Ancient City Ruby who trolled with a green laser? I, oh, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. You could, I could have been you. No, it wasn't me. Could have been. I wouldn't do that to somebody else, <laughs> to the speaker, fellow speaker. I thought it was really funny, and then I thought my reaction to it was, I enjoyed it so much that you handled then I, it well. Well, so I figured that your... I was going to encourage that behavior, and there was going to be like six yesterday. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> no, the backstory was just that you were giving a talk, and some, and you had a green laser pointer, and you and were I like was, highlighting something. Well, and, then, and I was gloating about having a laser. Oh yeah, I mean, you're it like, was all uh, my fault. I have a laser pointer, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then suddenly there was another one on the screen, sort of dancing around. <laughs> and then no one would admit. Like, it had to be another speaker. And Likely. so we were checking around in the audience. Like, I asked all the people behind the speakers that I knew, and whoever it was, like, their cover is tightly, tightly <laughs> held. Like, no one will admit it. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could do a big reveal and tell you it was me. But. Uh, well, you were in the front, so I looked at you first. That's all I'm saying. But <laughs> well, you, were, you were quick For if it was you to hide the laser. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I respect other speakers' talks too much. No, that was, I, I didn't feel disrespectful to me. It, like, I was this, a little yeah, bit poking funny. on the audience, right? So, I yeah. just, I, it felt to me in that moment as if I probably deserved it. Hmm. <laughs> I asked them if they were cats, as I recall, and I was like playing it around the ceiling. Yeah. So, what do, you, what do you get when you do that? Someone whips their competing laser out. <laughs> right. How embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, so, what's next then? Looks, sounds like another, a new talk's on the horizon. Maybe in the other book because you kind of miss it. Yeah, I'm making videos right now. Making I'm trying videos. to figure out like uh, some way to actually gen- actually generate revenue, and and so I'm doing like when people hunt me down, I go to their businesses and spend a couple of days with them. But I've I've been really kind of bad about in any way attempting to solicit that work. Mm-hmm. So I, part of what I've been doing at RailsConf is doing that. What what should Sandy do? I've been asking everyone, oh, what should Sandy do? What mm. business am I in? And so you got a brand now. I got a brand. You gotta leverage your brand. How? And you know, you know, and then and write here, an ebook about leveraging your brand. Well, here you go. You should send me a link. <laughs> but here's the other thing we know, right? Fame has to be ephemeral, right? Next year, like, like I, I want to find some way to figure out what it is while people know my name. Mm. And I don't really expect that to be permanent. Though maybe it will be. It would be cool if it was. Mm-hmm. But what is? You know, I don't know. You can't be a, a one-hit Ruby hero. Uh, and just keep on going. I just, like I love teaching, and I never. I love teaching, and I love telling stories. And I never thought that my life would turn into a place where that might. There might be a way for me to do that. Right, in, in addition you. to writing code. Mm-hmm. I mean, how cool is that? And so, um, that's next for me. Trying to figure out how to do that. Very cool. So, if you want to hire Sandy, or tell her what <laughs> she should be doing with her life, or tell me what I should do. And in order to find me, you have to go to my. Uh, stale blog and follow the link to my hobby website bike calc and on that there's talk to me links and if you click on one of those i'll eventually realize that you're not asking me to calculate your tire size for your bike computer <laughs> can't we just message you on twitter uh, yeah or yeah send me a, send me a tweet that would work better right <laughs> yeah, totally. i was looking i was looking at your tweet stream your tweet stream today that's a thing and it's just like thanks thanks, thanks thank thanks. you i'm, oh, really I'm so humble thank you thank you it's just <laughs> I, you so know, much don't praise look at my for sandy tweet stream well because it's it's so kind of people to say stuff absolutely and no then, you should but respond then i to feel that. like yeah 
I feel like yeah. I... No, no, I'm just yeah. I'm giving you a hard time. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm bad about social media. Yeah. So you have a lot of conferences coming up. Do you want to plug some of those? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be in Paris yep. next week. I got a list if you don't remember. Oh, go. You go. You got Le Conf. Uh-huh. And then Spree Conf. Uh-huh. And then Lone Star. Are you keynoting Lone Star? I'm keynoting at Lone Star. What a badass. I, well, you know, in keynotes, what a... So that's Katrina, a, right? Yeah. And that's like the world of stories, mm. right? My, te- my Lone Star talk's not going to be all that technical. It's going to be, you know, about movable type and the printing press and the business my dad was in and Whoa. why we should change the world. Interesting. Change, right? Okay. Like the wave of change is coming. Who's so you- better to shape the next world than us? Like, get on it. All right. I'll, <laughs> I, okay. Fine. Now, Ben. <laughs> God, I got podcasts to do. So, uh. Get your priorities straight. Yeah, Baruco. Baruco. Barcelona, yeah. right? I'm gonna, yeah, Barcelona. I'm taking my bike. Cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Ruby oh, awesome. Nation. Ruby Nation, okay, yep. Uh, Boston, I'm coming to you guys. You're doing Wicked Ruby? Oh, I'm d- I'm are you Wicked. keynoting Wicked Ruby? Yeah, I didn't really know that it was a keynote so until I... Uh, you know, t- it's... You're talking to me. <laughs> you're not worthy, is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Uh, so Lanyard has this, this uh, section, Lan- this is like this, the uh-huh. yeah, conference yeah. tracking thing, and it has like a appeared with section. Uh-huh. Apparently you and I have appeared at four conferences together. How cool is I that? I think it's more than that, though, actually. Yeah. I don't know. You know I'm it's like, getting up there. It is. Well, and as, as it should be, let me say that. <laughs> As it should be. Oh, the great Sandy Metz. Oh, shush. Thank you so much uh, for coming by and spending some time and being a my Ruby hero. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash podcast slash 51. Today's podcast was recorded and produced by Chat Bytel and edited by Edward Lovell. Thanks for listening.